Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Gleason, it's an honor for me to be at the Life Church this morning or this afternoon. I it takes a little adjustment here. Um, but we have a number of our churches that have afternoon services. And I was acquainted with that myself as a pastor. Uh, I want to thank Brother and Sister Gleason so much for their wonderful hospitality. Last evening when I came into the city, um, and after checking into the motel, was invited to their home for a wonderful home-cooked meal, which uh, I love uh, and don't get enough of the, get more than I need, but not enough, you know. And so you understand what I'm saying. But it was wonderful in their hospitality. These are truly gracious people. And God has his hand upon them in this work. I enjoyed very much uh, speaking to you in the, uh, during the Sunday school time regarding the building. And for you that were not here, I had also the privilege yesterday of driving up to the mountain and looking at the facility, all the excavation work, and the beginning of your beautiful new facility. It's truly going to be grand. You'll be surprised when you move in. I want to be there. But just be surprised how quickly God will fill that building. Uh, it's going to be great. So, Hallelujah. And, and, and it requires a, a loyalty and a commitment to a church uh, to worship and continue business as usual when you don't have a facility of your own. But I, I think you're doing splendid. When I look at this lovely crowd here today and see how God is helping you, and I know what he's going to do for you in the future. Today, if you have your Bibles, I'm inviting your attention to the book of First Kings, the 18th chapter. And I would like to read just a few verses here, beginning with verse 41. I believe that our faith is challenged in this world today. We under, need to understand that God honors certain components in our life that helps us to become the man or the woman or the teenager that he wants us to be. And part of that is what I call holding on to God's unchanging hand. We don't walk by feeling, although there are times we feel considerably more optimistic than at other times, but we walk by faith. And uh, if you were walking by feeling, some of you probably would not have gathered here today. But because you walk by faith in God, you're here. And I can tell you what will happen. You may have come dragging your carcass into this building. But you're going to move out of here with a new dimension and new feeling. Because God honors faith. Many a time I've stepped to the pulpit to preach when I was burning with fever, felt aches and pains because of a virus, but knew that my place was in that pulpit. And instantly while I preached, God would heal me. Isn't God great? He's just an awesome God. Verse 41, and Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. 
and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up, and he looked, and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And we're all quite familiar with that passage of Scripture. But I want to talk to you about climbing that mountain today. And also, I would read to you, you don't have to turn with me to the 21st chapter of, of Matthew, and the 21st verse, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the big tree, but also, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. We serve a powerful God, a wonderful God, and God is doing a work here today. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift a hand toward heaven and let's just praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you today for the awesome presence of Jesus Christ that is in this place for what you're going to do for us, through us, amongst us, quickening our minds, touching our bodies, Lord, strengthening our walk, giving us hope for tomorrow, Lord, hallelujah. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Now would you just put your hands together and raise your voice like a trumpet and begin to shout unto the Lord the victory. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. You remember the passage, the setting the scenario of the scripture text that we read to you today, under the influence and the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, the prophets of Jehovah were driven into the mountains, the dens, the fields, and the altars of Jehovah were torn down, the scripture said. And in place of those altars were erected altars unto Baal. And the prophets of Baal conducted the worship openly in the land of Israel, which invoked the judgment and wrath of God upon this people and this government. And thus it was that um, God had a man, Elijah the prophet, and he spoke to the prophet and he said, go to Ahab and speak the words that I place in your mouth. I believe God has to have a people that are willing to speak, thus saith the Lord. And so Ahab received the prophet Elijah and Elijah said to 
Ahab, thus saith God, there will not be rain or dew until it is spoken by my lips these years or this period of time. And he turned on his heel and he left the palace and left the king standing there. For three and a half years, there was no rain, dew, the rivers dried up, the springs dried up, the ponds dried up, the lakes dried up. The ground was parched, the cattle were dying, and they were lean, and the sheep likewise. There was famine in the land, and the people began to cry out to Jehovah God for mercy. And sometimes adversity, oft times, brings us face to face with the realities of God. And as the people cried out, the Lord heard their cry and spoke to the prophet. And the prophet spoke to a messenger and said, send word, go to Ahab and tell him to gather all of the people of Israel to Carmel. But bring your false prophets along. And the God that answers by fire, he shall be God. And so the people gathered and congregated at Carmel. And Elijah allowed his guests to be first to erect an altar. And the prophets of Baal laid their sacrifice upon that altar unto Baal, and they began to cry. It was agreed upon that the God that consumed the sacrifice by fire would be Proclaim the God. And, you know, I have been relatively uh, a sincere person in the pulpit. I know there are some folks that can get by with it, but I cannot tell a lot of jokes. I leave that to Charlie Mahaney. Uh, but uh, with me, when I step in the pulpit, it has to be a serious thing. And, uh, but Elijah got carried away this day. He had a pulpit. He listened to him cry out to Baal. As a matter of fact, he said, fellas, he said, you need to talk a little louder, scream a little louder, pray a little louder. Your God's not hearing. At another point, he said, I think he went on vacation. You need to get his attention. Can you imagine the serious prophet Elijah talking that way to these men? And they, the Bible said, when he said that, they screamed all the louder, tore their clothes. And at a certain point, he had enough. And he said, that's enough is enough. You've had your turn. And then the Bible said, he repaired the altar under Jehovah. And the sacrifice was laid upon that altar, and 12 bells of water were poured on that altar until the sacrifice was drenched. And there could be no question and then he prayed a simple prayer under God and said, God, demonstrate this day to this people that thou art God. And the Bible said, and the fire fell. Yes. Hallelujah. And the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice. And immediately, Elijah requested the 450 prophets to be executed. And... He told Ahab, I hear the sound of a... Now there are some... Now he said, go and eat and drink, because he knew he would anyway. He certainly wouldn't go to pray. There are some folks that they get a little blessing, and that's enough for them. 
just a little fire. But not so with Elijah. He said, we've got more business to do. You go eat and drink. I'm going to the top of Carmel. You know, there are victories that come, and we cannot settle for partial victories. When we need something from God, it's imperative that we hold on till we get what we want from God. And Elijah went to the top of Carmel. The Bible said he fell down on his knees, and he told his servant, go and see if there's any sign. Servant come back, said there's nothing. He said, go seven times. And he went back, and on the seventh time, he returned, and he said, Master, there's not much, but there's a cloud coming out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, that's enough. You go tell Ahab to get down to Jezreel, because there's a storm on the way. Now, there's times that we have to take the sign that we can get a hold of and say, that's all that we need. God's going to move, and I have the faith that he's going to move. God is looking for men and women that are not skeptics, not doubters, not scoffers, not negative, but they take a hold of faith and they say, I'm going to believe God till it comes. Now that's where a lot of you are today. You have a need here this afternoon, but let me say to you that God will honor you and he will meet you at the point of your need. But faith is essential to touch this God. Come on, put your hands together and just clap unto the Lord. Come on, let's clap unto the Lord. Hallelujah. God is a God that is going to bless. But you have to go oftentimes to the top of the mountain. And that's where the victories are. Someone that will get a hold of a promise and will not relinquish that hold until that victory comes. And that's Elijah. He said, I'm going to the top. We've had fire. We've had a blessing. But there's more to come. And I will not quit till I get to the top of that mountain. You see, there's something about using your voice and speaking. Jesus literally said this as he spoke of the fig tree. He said, what you say to your mountain, what you speak. As a matter of fact, Paul in the book of Romans said, confession is made with a lip unto salvation. We've got too many in the church today, too many that are using their mouthpiece for a negative weapon. And that weapon is destroying their victory. You can talk yourself into sickness. You can talk yourself into defeat. You can talk yourself out of a blessing. You can talk yourself out of the grace of God. What we have to use is this mouthpiece that God has given us uh, and speak the word of the Lord with faith. Ha. Come on, I wake, you wake up in the morning and say, I just feel like something good's about to happen. I'm going to speak it anyway. In the face of adversity, I'm going to speak the word of faith. For the devil would like to rob the church of their joy, of their victory, of worship. Some of our services in Pentecostal's constituency is more of a demoralizing atmosphere as the devil is given more credit than the God that produces the victory. 
There's more praise given to our adversary than there is glory given to our king. But I'm here to tell you, if you want something from God, if you want a victory in your life, you've got to start praising him. There's nothing as powerful as praise. Praise will work when nothing else works. Praise produces victory. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. You praise him when you don't feel like it. You praise him when the adversary has come at you. All hell has broke loose uh, in your family. You praise him when the satanic forces uh, rage against the church. Uh, but you begin to lift up the name of the Lord. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and are safe. I'll praise him when I don't feel like it. I'll praise him when the enemy comes in like a blood. The power of praising him. You need to climb that mountain and don't settle for partial victory. Don't settle for halfways. Get to the top of the mountain. I'm going to have a full victory. I'm going to leave this place with the rain coming down. I'm going to leave this place with a victory in my soul. See, I always believe when you come to the house of God that you need to come to the house of God and make up your mind, I'm going to have church. Listen, if it was worth you pulling that car out of the garage, getting up early. Now, you, don't, you folks don't have to get up early, but you may when you get in that new building. I mean, I, I enjoyed it this morning when Brother Gleason says, I'll be by to pick you up at 1230. I thought, this is unbelievable. Would you believe it? I was up at 630. That habit works on me. Anyway, when you get up in the morning and you get ready and you go to the closet and your sisters look across that little wardrobe and it takes you time to decide what to wear and you brothers look at those neckties and you think this one, that one, you're not sure. And then you take that shower, gentlemen, you shave, you comb your hair, sis, you go in and start working on your hair. And there's all this preparation for this day. And you plan what's going to happen after the service today. You plan what you're going to do before the service. You spend much of the day planning what you're going to do on the Lord's day. And then you get here all dressed up. Got the car washed yesterday. Everything planned. And then you waste the three hours with half-hearted. The praise singer says everybody clap and you, you can't hardly get your hand out of your lap. Lift up your voice and let's all sing together and you mumble the words. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know you. But I'm, I know people. I didn't pastor 30 years to be ignorant of what goes on but I used to tell the congregation that I pastor you go through all of that to come here and act like and I and then they'll say to me well brother Haney I'm not emotional that you, I know you want us to really get with it and worship God but I'm just not one of the emotional kind and I felt like saying buddy come on up here take off your shoe 
take off your sock. Yeah. And give me about a 50-pound object. <laughs> and drop it on that big toe. And you watch how unemotional he is. He comes up with a scream. He hops back and forth. He don't care if you're watching him. Listen, the God that I serve created you. When he made you, he put fiber in your body. He made you emotional. When you're happy, you're going to laugh. When you're sad, you're going to cry. Don't tell us you're not emotional. When you come to the house of God, you need to turn it on and say, God, I've come to your house to worship you with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my spirit. I am emotional. I was created in the image of God. Turn it on. See what God will do for you. Worship him. Clap your hands vigorously. Lift your voice. Worship God. He inhabits the praise of his people. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's starting to work. You're going to feel something like you never felt before when you begin to send up the praise. If you want to know where God is, he inhabits those praises. He inhabits. I've had folks say, I can't find him. I don't feel anything. Look at, did you ever stop long enough to praise him? Praise moves objects. Praise will resist the spirit of apathy. Praise brings life to a service. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm feeling something right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I sound like Charles Mahaney. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I used to try to count how many times he said hallelujah. He preached for me every year. Tried to tell everybody he was my cousin because the last part of his name was Haney. We've had a lot of great experiences together. He's a fine man or I wouldn't be picking on him. I'll just tell you there's something about praise and worship. It just... It just shakes, it breaks loose. Hallelujah. You know, as a uh, pastoring brother Gleason, those years I would, uh, I, I love to sit on the platform as a pastor and watch all those doors in the front of Christian Life Center and, and, and the people come in. Now, a good pastor can read his own sheep. I could tell when they walked in whether they'd been through the fire had difficulty, domestic problems, business problems, physical problems, spiritual problems. Instantly, you can read all this. Good saints. I, I, I've watched wonderful saints of God that I pastored through the years that I marveled at their walk with God. I knew some of the hell they were going through. But they didn't let it affect their love for Jesus. They were in church whether they felt like it. They could be having hell in the home. They could be having problems with their children, problems with their mate, problems with finance, 
but it did not disturb the way they loved Jesus. They come in. And you know, I always notice something else. Those kind of people always come out on top some way or other. Because God's, God doesn't overlook that. And if you're walking through fire today and hell is broken loose in your surroundings and your homes, I tell you, don't come here and take it out on God. Come here and start praising God with all of your heart. Worship Him. Whether you feel like it or not, you will worship till the joy of the Lord will begin to come out of your innermost. What I, what I really love, though, about sitting here, I love to watch, because I taught the church, everybody's a soul winner. Fill your automobiles. Bring them in. Teach home Bible studies. Do anything you can. Fill the building. And through the years, it just, we never had a service without visitors. Never. And I, I, I can hardly remember a service in the last 15 years that somebody didn't receive the Holy Ghost in every service. People baptized never served. Didn't matter if it was a Bible study or what it was. Even dramas, people got the Holy Ghost. Christmas was a great time to pray people through the Holy Ghost. Easter was another great time to pray people through the Holy Ghost. I have friends that even dismissed their services on those wonderful days. I could never do it. So, but I would sit there and when I, sometimes a, a little couple, would, you'd see them come in and you could tell by their demeanor, their actions, the way they looked, sometimes their attire even. They're not, they're not a member. They're not part of this. They were visitors. And they'd come in a little bit fearful. You know how, how you would feel the first time. A little bit fearful, but a good usher was there. And a good greeter with a smile. Said, oh, we're so glad. And before long, I'd see the usher and the greeter take care of them and they'd point down and the usher would come bringing them down about halfway and get them a seat. Good saints, they don't gawk at visitors. I didn't intend to get in on all this, but there must be a reason. They never gawk. They just smile and if they're close enough, good to have you. And, and you know the service is going, praise singers are up, the choir's up, something's going on, the church is in worship, the Spirit of God's coming down. And they kind of look around, a little bit frightened, like a little deer out on the hill. Frightened. And, uh, but, but before long, you know, they're just kind of nodding. And then I see him whisper in her ear. Now, God's blessed me with a lot of gifts, but I, I didn't have the gift, really, but I had the knowledge. I knew exactly what he told her. And you want to know what it was? It happens every time. These people are weird. <laughs> right, buddy. <laughs> but he didn't seem to mind after a while. Sometimes, sometimes the glory of God and the move of the Spirit would come in and you'd see a tear trickle down her cheeks and a good sister might see it and come over and put her arm around her and say, can I pray with you? Many times God would fill them with the Holy Ghost right there in the pew. If not after the service. He would come in, be baptized. And then, here, that was Sunday. Maybe that was a revival night or Sunday evening or Sunday morning. I don't know what. But it was going and you think, you almost forget about them until Wednesday night. And here comes a couple bouncing down the aisle. 
people are singing and praising God and they come down, they got a Bible in their hands and you don't even recognize them and they're coming down and they pass all those cheap seats in the back, pass all the middle priced ones in the middle and they get these big expensive seats right on the front and they act like they own the whole place. And they get right into the service and I'm telling you, they don't know how to clap on time but they know how to move those hands. And they know how to open that mouth and just sing away. And they don't even know the songs. And that's what some of you were saying. How could they be singing like that? They don't know the song. Sis, we've been trying to get you for 30 years to sing these songs with us. What you need is the joy of the Lord in your heart. The praise of God in your spirit. You need to release everything within you and enjoy your salvation. What I'm preaching to you today is this. If it's worth coming, if it's worth being a part of it, be a part with everything there is within you. Come on, if it's worth clapping your hands, clap them with everything. If it's worth lifting your voice, lift it with everything. Your lung power. Climb your mountain, climb your mountain, climb your mountain. I was raised on a farm, 1946, when my father moved from Pasadena, California to Stockton, California to pastor that church. One year after he moved us there, 1947, he moved us out to his old ranch where he was raised as a boy. And it was a two-story old ranch house. No one had lived in it for a year or so, and it was kind of leaning. There was... No bathroom in it at all. Just a nice old worn path out to a little shed out in the back. I knew nothing about it that age, but it didn't take long. A water, no city water, uh, no electric pump, just an old windmill. A 500-gallon galvanized tank on stilks and when that wind would blow that old windmill pump filled that and you were glad it was full because there were times when there was no breeze this is like our walk with God there's going to be times that you're going to wonder where the breeze is By the way, when my father began straightening up that old house, and one of the first additions was he did, he built a bathroom in the house. It's a blessed place. The, uh, the old mill, when we'd go through a, a week or five, six days that there was no breeze, most of the water was gone in the tank. And then the breeze would come and the old mill would begin to turn. How many of you you have seen a windmill driving along somewhere? People in Missouri should be familiar with it. We got folks in California, they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. But the old mill began to go. But nothing would come out. The pump would go, but nothing, no water. So my daddy had taught me, he says, son, you keep a five-gallon 
bucket over here and always keep it full of water because you may need it. And what you would do, he called it priming the pump. He said, you take and pour that precious water down in there and then you put your hand around the pump where it goes up and down over the, 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 the casing pipe and you squeeze it and it suctionizes. And suddenly, and I would do that. We'd pour the water in and pretty soon you'd hear a spurt. Just, but just a little spurt and then it'd get bigger. Pretty soon it's a flow. Some of you people, you better get you a five-gallon can of Pray. <laughs> Carry it along with you. There will be some times you're not going to feel like it. There's going to be times the breeze is not going to blow. And there's not going to be any wind. And you're going to feel like you're in a parched field somewhere out there. And you're in a famine. But I want to tell you something. Even when the breeze blows, the water's not coming. But get your praise bucket out. Say, God, I don't feel like this. But I'm going to praise you in the midst of this trial. I know that things are not going right. But I'll praise you whether I feel like it, whether I don't feel like it. I'm going to climb that mountain. And I'm going to praise you with everything there is within me. It's the journey you don't walk by your feelings. You walk by faith. And you praise God whether you feel like it or not. Wave your hand up and say, Oh God, I love you right now. I'm praising you. Hallelujah. Somebody says, My body doesn't feel like praising God. Praise Him anyway. My body doesn't feel like it. <laughs> My finances doesn't feel like it. Praise Him anyhow. Hallelujah. He's, he is the source of life and the source of victory. I will praise Him. You praise God in the midst of your trials and the midst of difficulty. You lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. When you're walking through the lion's den. I'm going to pray anyway. Hallelujah. We cannot walk by our feelings. We have to walk by what we believe to be right. It's like that little woman and her good husband that lived in a small village. And the preacher and his friend came often to the village like circuit riders to, to minister. One day she said to her husband, she said, but he doesn't have a place to stay when he comes. We're so small, we don't have a, a, a hotel, even a motel, even an inn. So they built a room on the side of their house. The Bible calls it the prophet's chamber. And they could hardly wait for the preacher to arrive because they, they had done something good. Don't you feel good when you do something good? Under the Lord, doesn't it just fill, fill your heart with joy and satisfaction and happiness? I can hardly wait to get to the house of God. And that's how the little lady and her husband felt. They'd stand perhaps on the porch, look down that long, lonely, beaten road, and think maybe today he'll top that hill over there. And sure enough, one day he did, him and his friend, and they descend and run to meet him and hand him a key and say, we got something for you. And 
they take the man of God, Elijah and Gehazi, to the room and show them the room. It's now furnished with bed and chairs and candlesticks and stool. And they look and they're so gratified and they're overwhelmed with the generosity and love of this little couple. And Elisha says, we, we want to do something for you. Can we mention your name to the king? And she said, not so. No, please don't. I'm content to live amongst my own people. And when she left, he turned to Gehazi and he said, surely there's something we can do. Surely we could do something for her. And think, Gehazi, and think, Gehazi, come in a little bit later, and he said, I'll tell you what I noticed. There's no pattering feet in this house. There's no laughter. Joy doesn't seem to be in this place. He said, call her in. I'm going to tell you something. For a church to really have joy, they've got to have some babies. I'm talking about newborn babes. And so he called her in and he says, uh, you're going to have a baby. You're, and she looked at him and you know what she said? Don't you lie to me. I, I always thought I had to think this one out. Why would she talk to her pastor like that? Don't deceive me. Don't lie to me. And then I discovered probably what she wanted most in life was a child. And never could have a child. Never conceived. She was barren. And she said, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. He said, oh no, a year from now you'll embrace in your arms a baby. And sure enough, one year from that time there was the cry of a babe in the home. The child grew. There was laughter. There was joy. There was excitement. The, the home had taken on a, a, moved into a new dimension. There were such great things happening that the child crawled. The child began to walk. There was happiness. One day, as the years passed, it was old enough that it said, today I want to go to the field with Daddy. And, and, and daddy probably knew mama wasn't too anxious for that to happen. Said, you go talk to your mama. And I can see mama trying to reason with the child, but the child out-reasoning her. And finally she looks over to her husband and she says, Jake, now I don't know that his name was Jake, but you don't know either. Jake, you better take care of this boy. I don't want an ox cart to roll over him. I don't want this to happen to him. I'll do it, Mama. I'll take care of it. That was probably the happiest day in the son and father's life when they walked to the field to, to reap the harvest together with the servants. And, and they were working there and the day was passing and the sun was about middle ways up. And the father felt tugging at his garment and he heard the cry of his child saying, Daddy, I'm sick. And he looked down into the lazy eyes and felt that feverish brow of that child and knew that child was deathly sick. No doubt summons one of the most robust servants that he had and said, take the child to its mother. And the servant is running home with the child in his arms and mama no doubt's looking out the window with a premonition and when she sees him coming she knows there's no question what that bundle is. That's my baby. She runs to meet him together into the house, lay him on the bed. 
anything they can do is not good enough. The child goes into convulsions. The child dies. But I want to show you the difference between folks that just accept things as fate and some folks that say, I'm not going to let it knock me down. We need some of that spirit in us. That old fight that says, come on. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. Devil, you can step on me if you want to, but I'll come up again. It's not how many times you go down. It's how many times you rise back up. And so, Mama, the house is full of people. Dad is mourning. And of course, Mom is grieved. But she has not given up because promise was given to her. Joy had been in her life. She had been a happy, happy mama. And though that child lay a corpse upon the bed in the prophet's chamber, she said, I will not accept it as this. There's a defeat waiting for every one of you tomorrow. Did you hear what I said? And even what I'm preaching to you today, you may not feel I need it, but one phone call can change everything. Come on now, come on. One little problem with a ticker can make you cry out to God. There's a lot of things that can happen to all of us, but there's a God that honors faith that says, I will not be denied. And Mama said, when everybody's mourning and everybody's weeping and have given up, Mama said, you give me a beast of burden. That's a donkey. Give me a servant. I am going to Carmel. Good old Carmel. You have to climb it too. And Mama says, I'm going to Carmel. And you know what he said? He was a church member. He said, it's, honey, it's not new moon, and it's not Sabbath. You know, somebody says, let's have a prayer meeting. Hey, this ain't Sunday. Let's go soul winning. Well, this isn't Saturday or Sunday. This isn't the weekend. Hey, when you fall in love with Jesus, one day doesn't make any difference with the other. You serve God 24 hours a day, and God is your God 24 hours a day, and he's a miracle worker on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can call on his name in the midnight hour. It doesn't matter where it's at. It can be in the courtroom. It can be in the corner of a hospital. It can be wherever you're at in your home. It can be in a banker's office. It does not matter. It can be in a prison, but God will hear the prayer. The penetrating cry of a mama or a daddy or a young person that says, I will not accept this devil. You need to know right now, I've got a made up mind. I'm going to climb that mountain till I get from God what my soul yearns for. I'm sorry to, sorry to get so worked up. But I just get worked up every time I get here. What I'm preaching about Jesus. He said, it's not new moon and it's not Sabbath. She said, that's all right, I want to go. And she got her beast of burden and her servant and she made her way. And she, when she got to the base of Carmel, she started up that mountain. 
one passage says Elisha looked down and he turned to Gehazi and he said, here comes that Shunammite woman. God must have withheld something from me. He said, you run down there and meet her and you say to her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? And is it well with thy child? And Gehazi trotted right down that mountain and he met her in the path. And he said, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? Now remember, confession is made with the mouth. Remember that whatsoever you say to that mountain is what you're going to get. She did not even acknowledge that life had dealt her a bitter, bitter blow. She just looked him in the eye and she said, it is well. I'm preaching to somebody. You need to quit talking about how bad things are. You need to quit nurturing that tree. You need to start talking about how good God is. Sure, you're going through a valley. Sure, you've been dealt a bitter blow. But isn't God greater than all of the opposition in the world? Come on, come on, come on. Put your hands together right now and say, I'm just going to praise Him. I'm just going to praise Him. Ha! Hallelujah. I'm going to praise Him in the good times. Praise Him in the bad times. Praise Him when the sun comes up. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Praise Him in the night. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the storm. Praise Him in springtime. Praise Him in autumn time. I will praise God at all times. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise turns things around. God, hallelujah. Ha. Glory to God. 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 I, I remember Brother, and I'm, I'm just about to wind up, but Brother David Gray, he was my uncle. He pastored in Revival Tabernacle, San Diego, California started the church. I remember him telling me, and I knew the brother. His name was Miller. Brother Miller. And I, I knew him, a good man. But I knew him after the fact, after his conversion. But he said they had been there a few years. They were in revival. And he said there was a, a woman in the church and her daughter. I knew her daughter. Her name was Mary. And, uh, the mother, they were in the church. God had marvelously filled them with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and they were baptized. They were faithful saints. But the husband and the father there, he had not yet come in and he had been an alcoholic. And he had problems with alcohol. In fact, he had even kept it in, by the box full in his garage. And he had also been very sick and had a lung removed. And Brother Gray said they were in revival and the evangelist was gifted in praying for the sick. And he announced on Saturday night, or was it Friday night? Friday night. Friday night, he announced, on that Friday night, we're going to have a healing service. And you bring the sick. And you come. That mother, that wife, and that daughter talked her daddy, her, her husband, to come into that service. 
he came. He had had the surgery. He was mending. But he came to that meeting. And the line, Brother Gray described it. I remember he described He said it was a long line. People, everybody was wanting to be prayed for. And this preacher was praying. And it took that line a long time to get up to this man of God that was praying for the sick one by one they would they would leave rejoicing and he was praying and there was great things happening and he said this man Mr. Miller at this point had got in that line and waited and waited and just kept working his way up and when he got to two people before the prayer he turned around and walked out of the building and they Brother Gray said I thought something had offended him and the wife and daughter thought something happened. He, and he wasn't around anywhere after church. He had went home. They didn't say anything to him. They didn't say anything to him. Because they were afraid to. But the next morning, Sister Miller got up. He was already up and gone. And behind their house was an alley. I know a lot of the older homes in those days had an alley. And the garage, where you parked your car, come in from the alley. And the garage was out there, and there was an alley. And she heard some clinking going on out there. So she tiptoed out the back door and looked out the alley. And behind the alley, where the garage door, the door was open, and there sat her husband. And he had went in and got three or four boxes of his wine and whiskey. And he was sitting there. And he was breaking those bottles. And he was saying, and the tears were just rolling down his cheek. He was saying, Jesus, I love you. And then he'd reach in and get another one and break it. And, Jesus, I love you. No gobble that know how to break. He wasn't, had not at this point received the Holy Ghost, never been baptized, but he knew his heart loved God. He came to church that night. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. He, he had to have a little love talk with God first, he felt. Hallelujah. Through, four weeks later, he had to go back for a physical. This is what Brother Gray shared with us it was just astounding it was a testimony all over the city at that point he went back in to get a, a they had to do x-rays to see how the healing and everything when he come out the doctor was leaned over the nurses were gathered around and they said we can't believe it he said i know i took out that lung but there is two lungs in your body i want to tell you something i'd rather praise him anyway than complain about it. Can we say once in a while, Jesus, I want you to know I love you. Things aren't going so well, but I love you anyway. <laughs> Climb that mountain. She got to the top of that mountain. Pascahesa, she fell down at the Elisha's feet, wrapped her arms around his feet, got a grip on him looked up into his eyes and said, I told you not to lie to me. I told you not to deceive me. My baby 
is in your chamber, on your bed. He's dead. And Elisha turned to Gehazi and said, Take my staff and take her. About that time, he felt tingling in his toes. She got a grip on his ankles and she looked up and she said, As the Lord God liveth and thy soul liveth, I'm not leaving you unless you go with me. Some of us need to get a grip on God that won't, we won't settle for anything second rate. We won't settle for a half a blessing. We won't settle for just eating and drinking when a little fire falls, but God, we're going to the top of Carmel and we're going to get what we need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody here this afternoon that you need to get to the top of Carmel. But I promise you when you get there, you're going to receive from God what your soul needs. Come on. Start the praise rolling out of your soul. You're, just going, to, you're going to get it. Hallelujah. It's going to come. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We need to get in that praise mentality, that worship mentality where the joy of the Lord comes down. We need to climb the well. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Would you stand with me right now? I'm feeling the presence of Jesus in this place. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. One more time, stretch your hand. Just stretch it right up. Say, God, I want you to know that I love you today. I love you now. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's victory. Yes, there is. Precious victory. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Just. The Lord is in this house. Just let me have your attention for a moment here, and I'm going to be through. Pastor, I can do what I want here. You may be visiting for the first time. You may be a member. You may not be a member. You may be a Christian. You may not be a Christian. That's not what's important right now. What's important is we're, we're in His presence. And we know it. And we're mortal. And mortals face difficulties. 90% of you here today, and maybe closer to 100, you have some challenge waiting for you tomorrow or this week. And you don't have an answer. But I want to point you to a God that really does care. I said he cares. When I get to preaching on Sundays like this, I get homesick from my years of pastoring when I would invite. People would come that knew God. People that did not know God. Heathens would come that had worshipped gods of stone. Some of them had served Buddha. Worshipped sun gods. California, as you know, is a mixed bowl. They immigrate from all over the world. And with that, they brought their heathen worship. But I would watch them come and fall at the feet of Jesus and their lives be transformed. Now I'm here to tell you 
this is what we will do today. Whether you are saved or unsaved, or a member or not a member, regardless of your persuasion, you know that there is a God up there somewhere. You wouldn't be here today if you did not believe that. And I feel like what I like to do is, since this is a day that we honor as the Lord's Day, I like every person, every child, every teenager, every mom, every dad, every grandparent to just start walking these aisles. And I don't want you to kneel. Come and stand. We have come. And you're saying, I've Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.